0: Guess what? We're in Season 7 of the Iron Woman Podcast. I'm Rosalie, and I really like crave jerky pink flavor. Also, it's raining tacos from out of the sky. Tacos, no need to ask why. Just open your mouth and close your eyes. It's raining tacos. Yum, 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 yum it's like a dream. Also, we couldn't do this without our sponsors, Wahoo Fitness, Crave Jerky, of course, Aftersea Nutrition, and Smashfest Queen. And now, the ladies you've been waiting for, Alyssa Godeski and Haley Chura. Bye for now.
1: Haley, I was all ready and set to intro you with this dramatic, like we are the champions intro song, but then I got kind of nervous about private or what's it called? Piracy laws. And like, if we can just play, I don't think we can just play random music on the podcast. So just know that that's what I wanted to say because congratulations, Haley, I am so excited about your win this past weekend. Oh, thank you so much. And I think it's
2: it's legal for you to sing. If you want to just sing that to me, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You don't have to do that, but, um, uh, thank you. It was, it was a, it was a great race in Waco and, um, a bit of a surprise to win a bike run race, but gives me a lot of confidence going forward.
1: Okay. So I have Actually, you're not our interview officially for this week, but I do have this whole list of questions for you. So we're going to go through these pretty quick because I want to hear about how everything went. And so let's start. I followed you and it looks like you made time to get to Magnolia Farms before the race. So in your pre-race time. So tell us all about that. Was it everything you hoped it would be?
2: Yes. So I did go to the silos. Um, I woke up Friday morning and I was like, I kind of looked at what time the pool was going to be open. And I was like, you know what? I can make this happen. And, um, I drove over there and I got there. Like it was, it opens at 9am and I got there like before nine and there was like already so many people around. I think the bakery opens earlier, but like the actual store opens at nine. So there were already quite a few people there, but I was able to get a parking space and it was incredible i i was i was impressed just because i don't know what i was expecting but it's beautiful it's like this beautiful little oasis in waco and waco was a cool town i mean it was different than i expected there's all these bike lanes everywhere and um you know there's this river and these all these people running in these river trails and paths. and which I just wasn't expecting that. And the silos were were so gorgeous. I mean, Chip and Joanna, they know what they're doing when they uh, do some like decorating. and, um, I did go into the store and I looked at the, you know, everything that they were selling there and it's, it's not a big place. It's pretty small. I was there for about an hour, I think. And they have this big lawn where kids were playing, you know, with balls. Andrew Starkowitz was actually there at the same time as me and his kids. I got to meet his kids and they were all kicking a ball around.
1: And, um, I thought you were going to say Starky was there kicking a ball or like playing with balls, <laughs> <laughs>
2: which would have been fine he, too. His, soccer skills. We blow <laughs> up him. his
1: pre-race routine and just let everyone know what he likes to do. <laughs>
2: yes. He actually plays a lot of soccer right now it's his kids, but I met his kids and his wife, but it was kind of funny because there were quite a few triathletes there. And, um, so it was kind of an interesting mix of people who were there, but I went to the, I went to the bakery and I had planned to, um, buy some treats for after the race and, Um, no, they didn't last till after the race.
1: I ate them all before, but
2: I got a, I got a cupcake, two cookies and a cinnamon roll (laughs) and they
1: were all delicious. Well, maybe that's a recipe for success. So, you know, I don't think that was a bad choice in the end. And so you mentioned seeing the river in Waco and then tell us, because now we know that the swim was canceled and it was a bike run, but tell us kind of about the swim being canceled. And then as someone who, you know, you're a really good swimmer and you can use that to your advantage when there obviously is a swim in triathlon. So what was it like for you to readjust your mindset going into the Sunday morning then?
2: So I'd kind of gotten a heads up that there had been flooding around Waco and I knew that there was a chance that there might be a duathlon, but then I'd heard, you know, the water had gone down and you know, maybe there would be a swim. So when I showed up, Um, that Friday I did, I went by the river and I just checked it out and Alyssa, it was running so fast. Like it was, it was running really fast. It was really high. There were trees in the water and I kind of thought at that moment, I was like, I'm pretty prepared not for there not to be a swim just because I am, I'm big on safety. Right. And it did not look like it was, you know, originally we were supposed to swim upriver for part of it. And I knew that was, I mean, it would have been amazing. But I think that most of the field probably wouldn't have made it out. It was, I think it was running, I heard it four miles per hour. So if you think of putting a treadmill on four miles per hour, that's, I mean, you have to jog. Like that's not even just walking and that's running pretty fast. And then there were, you know, rumors about it being all downriver. But I think even that, it wouldn't have, that wouldn't have made, that much of a difference, everyone would have come out at the same time because it was running so fast. So I think it was the right call. And when it's that kind of thing, I mean, the race directors don't want it to be that way. No one wants it to be that way, but we all kind of just had to rise the occasion and just be like, okay, this is how it is. We still get to bike and run. I drove the run course before the race and it, it was so beautiful. And it was like these hills that were totally, you know, shaded by a canopy of trees. And I'm like, this was meant for me, you know, where you probably would have loved it. Cause you have your trail running background where, you know, it's, it's not super exposed, which is nice when you're coming from Montana in the end of October. And then I love running Hills. I love the challenge of it. So I kind of tried to focus on the things that I liked versus not having a swim.
1: And then so you had a time trial start and so that means for the race you how how far apart did they start you guys then They started as 30 seconds apart.
2: And I think there were Mm -hmm. like 20 women in the race. So they went that the men went off first and then they took like a two minute gap and then the women went off 30 seconds apart.
1: So over the span of about 10 minutes, everyone's starting, but that's quite different from how normal pro racing would go where they start everyone together. And you know, you know, first one across the line is the winner. There's no lag time to wait and kind of see if someone who started maybe nine minutes behind you is actually faster than you when everything evens out at the end of the day. So I actually had, I had turned on the coverage and well, I don't think there was actual coverage, but it was like that live feed of the the finish line, at least I could watch. And I turned it on as they were saying you were coming in. So I, I left it on and I got to watch you break the tape, which was amazing. And I started crying and I was so excited for you. But then I, I realized I was like, Oh no, like, this probably was a time trial start. And so I can't imagine if I felt that way, how you would have felt, you know, just racing like that. So take us through that kind of a race and what was going through your head, you know, during the race. And then also, you know, as you're running down the finish line and you're staring at the tape, but you might not know for certain that you have it in the bag.
2: Yes. This was a very unique race for me. I mean, I guess it's not becoming unique anymore. We've had a lot of canceled swim this year with just crazy weather, but I've never done a time trial start before. I've only had one canceled swim and that one they turned into a duathlon where we ran in the beginning. So it was more like a traditional race. So how we started it, we did, I did a random drawing. So I ended up starting ninth, which was about in the middle of the, the pro field. So it's a good place to be. I think in that, you know, you get an advantage from starting later because then you know that there isn't someone, like you said, nine minutes behind you, who's actually beating you, but it was kind of nice to still be you know, in the mix and the front of the race, especially on the run, but it was, it was wild. I mean, you kind of had to just race within yourself and it was more like an actual like time trial on a bike, right. Where everyone just goes together and then you sit around at the end and see who won. And, and so on the bike, I I could kind of see, I was able to see a couple people, but you know, at different parts of the race and I passed a couple women, but It was, it was weird because you don't really know like what place you're in. And I was, I knew I was riding really well for me, but I've also never been that position necessarily where I didn't have a swim before. So it seemed like everyone was riding really well. So even though my numbers looked really good, I wasn't putting a lot of time into people. So I was just like, okay, we'll just, you know, we'll see how it goes. And the bike course is is fairly flat, but it had a lot of turns and it was nice though. I mean, they had to reroute parts of it because of flooding, but they did a good job kind of figuring out some good, good stretches of road to be on. And, and then on the run was more of where you kind of could tell where you were. And, uh, my sister actually, she lives in Austin and she came up for the race. And I asked her at one point, like, what place am I in? And she's like, I think you're ahead by 10 seconds. So it was like, Oh my gosh. And this was at mile like seven. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. I'm like, so I'm trying to imagine. I'm like, okay, imagine like for all other sisters out
1: there who are ever asked that question when they're other sister is racing. That is the perfect answer. No matter if you know or if you don't know or whatever, that's a good answer to give because that will like instill the fear of God in you and make you race a little harder. I feel like so that's oh, good.
0: it was.
2: <laughs> I was like, well, I was just trying to imagine. Like, imagine you're in a really close race. Like, see what you can do and try to like imagine that. I think it was Alicia. I could. I knew Alicia had started behind me, and you know she's such a strong athlete, Alicia Kay. And and so I I I was like, I imagine that. I figured that was who was in second. And, And, and it was, yeah. So I was just trying to picture that, but one of the cool things that this race had was they actually featured a run preem. So whoever had the fastest run split in this three mile section. So the, the hilly part of the course was a little under three miles. And you did it twice. It was two loops. So it was only in that section on the first loop. And it didn't matter what place you finished at all. It was just by time, Whoever, whatever. They just had a timing mat at the beginning of it and a timing mat at the end of it. And so I decided... You know, I'm like, I'm gonna go for it. <laughs> so the first lap, I ran those hills so hard because I was just like, I don't know what place I'm in, I don't know, really know how I'm doing, but I'm like, I really would like the $750 that you can get for winning this preem. and and so I, that was one that you is know, that's I'm, a big preem. that's nice. It was super nice, right? And it's super unique. I've never had that in a race, and so I did kind of do that. And I was just trying to hang on then for the rest of the run, but the man who got it I think Paul Matthews got it and he actually finished like 20th and so if you look at his run splits it's really funny because I think he like purposefully like jogged up to where it started and then hammered that section and then kind of jogged the rest of it but I think he
1: ultimately finished after you Haley so he spent his pennies uh in those three miles but I mean hey he made $750 out of it I guess which maybe was more than he could have otherwise so maybe he had a strategy. (laughs) <laughs> it was, it was kind of exciting.
2: I think it was a uh, bicycle world who put up and the Waco running company who put up the money for that. And they also gave away shoes for the age groupers, like the top three age groupers who had the fastest splits in that section. Oh, that's too. That's cool. That's super cool. Yeah. So there were some really cool, unique things about this race. And I think that I, I did a good job of just embracing that, but it was kind of funny to, uh, to go across the line first. And I saw the tape and I was like, I don't know if I won, but I'm like, I'm going to take the pictures anyway. (laughs) So I'm like, I held the thing up and I was like, oh, well, I figured that worst case it would be a really funny story if like I didn't actually win. If I, but I was like, Oh, I was first cross line. And so, you know, I have pictures of me winning, even though I didn't win, but then you kind of stand around afterwards and you're like, Okay. Like starting a timer, like how far back did Alicia start? How far back, you know, issues when is she going to come across Alicia and some of the other women who had fantastic races. So it was, it was a unique way to race. I'm so happy with myself and how I rose to the occasion. And it's going to give me a lot of confidence going
1: into the you know future races when I hopefully do have a swim. And Haley, I had two observations that I'm wondering if they played into your success. Do you think that not ruining your streak of wearing a tri kit on the podium is helping you with your or of wearing your try on the podium is helping you play like win these seventy point three. Do you think that's that's helpful? Yes, it's absolutely helpful. That is the key to all of my
2: success. You should just wear a try all the time and you'll probably win everything also never shower (laughs) showering's overrated and um, no, I'm kidding. You should definitely shower, but I was, you know, I stayed a little bit further away from the race site and there's lots of parking in downtown Waco. That was actually really nice. This was a big race. I think there were like 2,500 to 3000 athletes in the race. And parking was fairly easy, which is shocking because that's something I get kind of nervous about when I'm not staying close to the race site. And, but I did get a really good parking spot and I just didn't want to lose it. And then my sister and my athlete, Diane, who she didn't race, but she came up to cheer I was just hanging out with them afterwards and I just, you know, I like chatting and spending time with people and I'd rather do that. I can shower at like 11 PM. So I'll shower. I never heard
1: anyone. I'm I'm down for it, Haley.
2: And my kids, it's fun. And then people recognize me and say hi. Cause if I showered and changed, then people might not recognize me. And I wouldn't get to like say hi to as many people.
1: That's true. And Haley was wearing the HC kit, right? From smash fest queen and you could order your own to be like Haley with the iron women code. And I think that is $10 off an order of a hundred dollars or more. I think that's the iron women promo we have running right now. So yes, um, our podcast sponsor smash fest queen. I saw a lot of smash fest queen kits out there.
2: I actually maybe don't tell Hillary Michelle this, but I took a picture with, um, a woman who was wearing my exact same kit and I was super excited and she had no idea who I was, but that's okay. (laughs) We still got the picture. (laughs) <laughs> and, um, she just it sells the a design. it's,
1: it's great design with or without Haley in it, but it does help you be like Haley when you wear it. So that's good. She didn't yeah. even know that she was being like you and she, she was nailing it. So that's good. <laughs> yeah. My last observation though, Haley is I noticed that you raced in the new Nike, what are they? Vaporfly 4% magic shoes. So what's your verdict on these? Because I've been looking into these and you know, they, are, they are sold at cadence running company, which does sponsor me. I like having the running store sponsor and not an exclusive shoe sponsor. So maybe this opens up. What do you think? Like how, how did it go?
2: Yeah, this is one of those things when we talk, we've talked to a lot of people on this podcast about sponsorship and what, you know, what sponsorship is like, and I don't have a shoe sponsor. I've tried to get a shoe sponsor and haven't in the past. And, you know, I was like, I hear these shoes are our fat make you faster. So I don't have a shoe sponsor, so I'm just going to buy them. And I set like a calendar reminder for October 4th, when they came out, when they were going to go up for sale and I bought some and they were awesome. I really liked them. I mean, they, I, I think they wear out kind of fast. They are expensive. They're like $250 and they wear out a little bit faster, but I'd only run on them on the treadmill previous to the race. And I just, you know, I think we have to try things, right? And there are ways that you can buy speed in this sport you, with different bikes, with different shoes and, you know, with different wetsuits and making sure that things fit you. I mean, it obviously has to fit you, but I ran probably one of the strongest runs of my career. So I, uh, yeah, if, if Nike's looking to sponsor any triathletes, I'd be up for it. But otherwise, I mean, you just kind of, sometimes you have to just go with the gear regardless of the brand, if something's going to work for you. So, well, Yeah. I, I, uh, I'd say Alyssa, yeah, you might want to, you might want to try them out.
1: <laughs> I'll, I'll continue looking into it. It's on my to-do list because after I saw you in them, it definitely, you know, kind of sparked some interest. So, so we'll see, like you said, I mean, it is, especially at our level, you know, seconds count, right. And it's the same thing as wearing an arrow helmet or getting a wax chain or, you know, doing those little things where, you know, you can definitely do them at any level, but at the pro level, it's you know, I've, it's silly not to be doing that when the competition could be because, you know, the seconds matter, the minutes matter. So why not? Right. Give it is. I know every every second does
2: count. And I think there is something about placebos too. I believe in them. You know, if you feel better in something, you are going to race better in them. And so there is something about having like a special pair of, you know, race shoes that are lighter and they just make you feel good and they're bright orange and bright colors make me feel good too. So maybe that's part of it too. You know, just, it's the same thing, like you said about, you know, wearing a certain kit, wearing a certain helmet, wearing a certain hat, painting your nails. I think those are important things when you're doing something as hard as a race like we do. Well,
1: congratulations again, Haley, that was a well-earned win and we are excited to see you continue and take it from there and win many more, but it was very fun to watch. So thank you for, for putting on that show for us this weekend.
2: No, uh, anytime it was, it was a nice surprise and I would definitely highly recommend that race to anyone, especially when they have this swim, but Waco was a surprisingly, cool race destination. And you know, that volunteers were incredible for a first year race. I can't believe how good those volunteers were. I mean, they were on it, like on the bike, on the run. I mean, just, you know, you know, like there's different, there's many different ways to hand out a cup of water, hand out a bottle of water. And these people were good at it.
1: That's a skill that maybe they can, you know, Capitalize on that <laughs> because you're right. There are, you know, there's better ways to do things than others. Although we're always appreciative of anyone out there during the race that's doing that for us. Yes. but definitely shout oh, out I to, have that, to-, to that to that volunteer. I do need volunteers. to add also.
2: I went to like an H E B plus grocery store there, and it was Is that a biggest? That's a brand it's like name. A, it's like a chain H E B or it's like maybe it's, I don't. I think it's H E B. It's not Hebe. My sister told me that it's like a Texas brand. And it was the biggest grocery store I've ever been in, in my entire life. Like it was so massive, Alyssa. I think it had 21 checkout aisles and they didn't even have small carts. All they had was massive carts. Like everything really is bigger in Texas. But was it like
1: a Costco? No,
2: it was like a regular grocery store, but it was the size of a Costco. Oh, I mean, I had to go buy razors because I forgot to pack so one. You have to buy a really had... big razor. <laughs> a
0: whole,
2: like wall of razors. And one of the razors they were selling had five blades. Have you ever seen a razor with
1: five blades? <laughs> Honestly, I don't, <laughs> I'm not sure I've even paid attention because I always just grab whatever, like disposable one I can find at the moment. Cause I am just running into the grocery store, I guess. But That's interesting. But the actual size of the razor was still the same as other places in the U.S. just had more (laughs) multiple.
2: (laughs) These are like a hundred different kinds of razors. And then they had this aisle with all their Halloween decorations. And I wanted to buy everything, but I couldn't because I didn't have that much room in my suitcase. But... I would put on a really good Halloween party if I lived in Waco. It would be amazing. (laughs) Here I have to, I just settle for a lot of pumpkins. That was the other thing I got inspired by was all the pumpkins at the silos.
1: But yeah, I loved Waco. Who would have guessed? It was amazing. (laughs) I know, I'm excited. Maybe, you know, you you make it sound so fun, I think. And I actually have heard really good reports from everyone. So I do think that that was a good move to put a race there. And it sounds like it's welcoming to the race. And again, definitely a shout out to those local businesses there that were putting up the premium. We as professionals really, really appreciate things like that. Uh, they had actually had a lot more of that. I remember Ironman Louisville used to have one, I think up until 2012, maybe, They had, it was like first person over the bridge or to make it to the bridge or something on that run course. And then they all disappeared. So...
2: It makes for exciting racing. Right. And it It really does. It plays into your race plan a lot. Like I was, I was like, I thought about that. I'm like, I'm going to hit this. Like, I don't know how my race is going to turn out, but I want to run this section
1: really fast. I think the world champs like 70.3 world champs used to have it in Clearwater. There was something. Kona had one, right? They were definitely Timex used to do it. I think there. Mm -hmm. So if you are a company looking for ways to get involved, maybe ask a local race or something, if you can. Uh, If there's one in your town or nearby, do that because that's a great way to really, you know, maybe if Haley wins it, you'll get a shout out on the Iron Women podcast, which would be awesome. It was fun. Yeah, it was fun. But what's new with you? Anything going on? Well, Haley, I have a little bit of sad news to report this week. I did not win the Mega Millions or the Powerball. (laughs) I thought about you when I saw it was a South Carolina winner. I was like, Oh, it's not a Virginia. I take that back. I did win mega millions. I won $10 Haley. Okay. I had three of the six numbers. And if you ever want to know an emotional roller coaster, I suggest having the first three lottery numbers that are called when the pot is 1.6 billion or whatever it is, because I, I mean, I, I told you guys last week, I honestly start to believe that I'm really going to win. And I start like dreaming of my life after I win. And then to have to carry that feeling growing like exponentially through the first three numbers being called. I can't even tell you what that's like, but it happened. And I won $10. That's all you get. If I had, I think I had to get wow. two more numbers and I could have been a millionaire. I would have had a, a million. But, you wow. know, I feel like I'm getting closer. I feel like that was the universe telling me to keep playing the lottery. So I put that $10 into the Powerball, which I didn't win. And so I'm, you know, I've halted the money into the lottery for the time being. I'm going to come up with a strategy, but my lottery time's not over, guys. Don't worry too much. But just for the for the week, and then this week is technically race week for me, Haley. I am do I'm going into my row gaining event. So oh yes, row gaining the the two day (laughs) row gaining adventure in Pennsylvania, which I'm sure I will have all of the answers to of how this all goes next week. But for now, all I know is it's a two day adventure race in. Pennsylvania. And the weather was actually looking really, really bad for a while. It was going to be like forties and raining, but it's turned around and it's supposed to be fifties and just like cloudy now. So I don't think I'm in danger of freezing in the woods in Pennsylvania, but hopefully my compass skills have developed enough to get myself and my teammate Courtney out of the woods, uh, by Sunday evening. So we'll see. Do you, when you do a two day adventure race, do you sleep at all? Or are you just awake for like 48 hours for this one? you sleep. So a lot of adventure races, you just go straight through, but this one you have to get to the midpoint by 10 PM on Saturday night and then you sleep and then start for day two. And so if, if you're late, actually, I think it's like every five minutes you're late, they start docking points from you. So they take that pretty seriously. I think they just don't want people out in the woods, you know, unsupervised and without knowing who's where. So they do, they'll transport our tent for us to this like base camp where there's going to be a bonfire, and s'mores Ooh. i'm told and then oh and yeah, well, right so i kind of gaining mm-hmm. s'mores <laughs> I maybe mean, i will do one of these races sometime so we have everything packed it's a lot of gear it's different than triathlon gear but it's a lot of gear to have sleeping supplies and all of the things like we have to there's no water stop so we have to have ways to filter water and things like that and then obviously calories and emergency supplies are all necessary, but I'll give you guys the rundown next week. I'm really, really looking forward to this. I think it's going to be fun either way. So, and in the history of this race, as far as I can tell, there has not been a female team that has finished. So, or even, I guess competed because they're not even listed on the past results. So who knows Courtney and I might be the, the first female team to finish. It's called, um, the Stockville. So we'll see. The Stockville.
2: Awesome. Go for it. I can't wait to hear about it next
1: week. And Haley, this is going to be the podcast that comes out before next Tuesday. And for our listeners in the United States, I just wanted to take a minute to remind everyone to please, please, please go vote on Tuesday. It is a very important time. It's always important to go exercise your right to vote. And this year is very important for many issues that people hold near and dear to their hearts. We have talked on the podcast before about how, Haley, you use public lands to train on a lot. I use public lands. All of our listeners, you probably may not even know it, but you're using public lands to train all the time. And Haley, I know just something else that as a professional triathlete, I literally would not be able to do, probably wouldn't be able to compete professionally because, at least with healthcare, because having Obamacare and actually Planned Parenthood as options for health care, just basic things like birth control and, you know, flu shots. And when I had to get my stitches out from when I crashed in New Zealand, like all these things, I was able to have some health care because of these things. And it is important to me to try and keep them and I will be voting on Tuesday. So I'm always happy to discuss how these things play into... Your life as a professional triathlete and how you make that all work. So you can always feel free to touch base with me if you have questions about how that affects pros, but go vote. Please go vote.
2: Yes, I echo your sentiments. And I can say that I actually actually already did vote. I did early voting here in Bozeman in Montana. I walked down to the courthouse. I think I actually technically filled out an absentee ballot and then just turned it in right there. <laughs> but um it was a good feeling and it was one of those things I wasn't sure I'd have you know, if you don't know that you have time on that Tuesday, you can kind of just do it at your own convenience on a day that's works a little better for you. But there is, it is fun to do it on the actual Tuesday. Cause then you get a sticker, but I got a sticker for early voting too.
1: Oh, maybe they heard that people wanted the stickers. And so that incentivized more people to do it too. But whatever it takes, if people want stickers, I'll get, I'll mail you a sticker if that's what's going to take you to get out and vote. So you can just, let Oh, me know.
2: we should do that. If you, you tell us that you vote, you get a sticker from iron women. It is voting feels good. I love it. It is, you know, you feel like you're making a difference now more than ever. And there's some really close races out there. So whatever state you're in, you probably, your vote really
1: does matter. And Haley, we do have some feisty. So people have been asking how they can get a feisty bottle and we a water bottle from with the live feisty logo on it because these were hot in Kona and there were some leftover from there. So if you want your own feisty bottle, one of the ways to get one is while supplies last, you will get one with your F2C nutrition order when you use the code iron women. So that code also gets you 15% off your order. And while supplies last, we'll get you a feisty bottle. What more could you want?
2: And we do have an interview this week. We are being joined by Allison Baca. And Allison is on the phone from Maui because she just raced the Xterra World Championships in Maui. She finished 10th in the women's pro field. If anyone saw pictures from that race, it looked You know, crazy conditions. I think there were four foot waves, and you know, just so much mud on those trails. So off road triathlon, it's a new, you know, total new world for us here to interview someone specifically about off road triathlon. So we're looking forward to hearing more from Allison. She she has a history as a pro athlete in racing seventy point three. She's been on the podium in races like. Campeche 70.3. And earlier this year, she won Xterra Chile. So she's been all over the world. She's going to tell us more about racing Xterra and kind of her progression in sport and where she sees herself going next. We'll hear more from Allison right after the break.
1: Crave Jerky is back as a sponsor of the iron women podcast. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, and contains all natural ingredients. Crave meat snacks are made with tender, gourmet cuts of meat and crafted flavors with elevated yet simple ingredients. My favorite flavors include sweet chipotle beef, black cherry barbecue pork, and chili lime beef. You can try one of Crave's bold, tender flavors when you use the code IRONWOMEN to get 20% off at cravejerky.com. Wahoo is dedicated to the journey of every athlete from a sprint to Ironman. Wahoo is with you every pedal stroke, every stride, and every trying moment with the commitment to make you better. As endurance athletes themselves,
2: Wahoo provides an ecosystem of products, including kicker smart trainers, element bike computers, and ticker heart rate monitors to provide exactly what you need to reach the finish line and smash your training goals. Hey, Allison, welcome to the Iron Women podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for having me on. Huge congratulations on your 10th place finish at the XTERRA World Championships in Maui this past weekend. And holy mud, the pictures that came out of that race looked
3: brutal. Can you tell us a little bit about the conditions and your day? Oh my gosh, it was actually insane. Like I've never ridden my bike in mud like that. Like when it rains in Colorado, you know, they close the trails and we are not allowed to ride on them. And so then you just go to this race and there's like feet deep of mud in some places or like you're trying to like walk up these super steep hills and you just it's like there's no option. You're just like grabbing onto like trees or like whatever you can do. It was actually insane, but it was kind of, you know, perfect for Xterra because it's just I don't know. you I, I feel like I always just kind of expect like the most wild races or conditions. And so, yeah, it was It was incredible and very, very muddy, but I guess my race, I felt like I was really lucky to come away with 10th top 10 was my goal going into the race. And on the bike, I actually like crashed at mile two. I just like slid out on mud and like went over the handlebars and somehow I broke off my rear shifter on my bike. It just like, like snapped off. And so I was like, Oh boy, like we haven't even really started climbing yet. What am I going to do? And so I just kind of like shifted it into a gear that I thought I could ride on like not super steep climbs, but something I could kind of like ride on gradual climbs and flat stuff. And then just tucked my shifter into the cables and went on my way. And, and I ended up walking pretty much all the climbs and I was like, okay, my race is over, but I didn't come all the way to Hawaii to not finish. And it's a world championship. So I'm going to like, if I walk all the way to the finish. I'm going to do it. And so I made it through the bike somehow. And, you know, everyone had bike problems there. It was just insane. Cause your bike, like the tires get totally caked in mud. So it's like on ice skates basically. And, um, you can't shift by the end anyways. And, and then the run was just so hard and like so muddy and slippery. And I was just so glad to make it to the finish line. <laughs> yeah. And then getting top 10 was just kind of a really great surprise for me. So, so
1: some of our listeners, Allison, and to be honest, myself included, <clears throat> are not as familiar with Xterra off-road triathlon racing. So, can you give us a little lesson on this variation of swim bike run? So, like, what are the typical distances and how long does that take? Because I am familiar with the fact that you know running on trails can be much longer, at least than road running, and that sort of thing. So, and then you know, you talked about the conditions in Maui, and then. I guess, how do you kind of even begin to predict conditions on course to course and that sort of thing?
3: Yeah, so, so I guess um, to start with the first question, Xterra, they have races all over the world and there's basically like three championship series throughout the world. So there's Pan American, uh, Asia Pacific and European championship series. And the race format, it's really similar to Olympic distance. Uh, So it's about a 1,500-meter swim. The bike really depends. It's usually about 20Ks, although this one was 20 miles. And, of course, it's mountain bike, so that changes a lot. It's (laughs) a lot slower than, you know, 20K on the road. And then then it's usually a 10K trail run at the end. And in terms of conditions, it's just so – I mean, I guess at Maui – this is my first year doing Maui, but I guess I had really similar conditions two years ago. But usually it's been dry here. And I mean, I guess this race is a little bit different because they actually cut the course, uh, two weeks before the race. So most of it's on private property and they like kind of go through and like hack down all the grasses and, and jungle kind of stuff that you go through and just make the trail for the race. So that kind of changes it as well. Cause it's not like a well-ridden trail. Um, like you'd find on a normal mountain bike, uh, trail and so people had told me that it had been raining a lot here and so before the race i actually changed my tire setup to a more all around tire um that has like a little bit more grip for the mud and i know a lot of people were putting on mud tires which have kind of wider spaced wider spaced knobs that are a little bit longer so i can kind of like grab into the mud but the mud here was more like a clay so it kind of just like stuck onto your tire and caked on there more and more and I feel like in the end, it didn't really matter what tire you had. <laughs> um, and it's, it yeah. sounds like the conditions <clears throat> might have derailed any like tactics or anything
1: that would have gone on in the pro race. But is Xterra racing similar to Ironman 70.3 or Olympic distance, where it's like you want to be getting out of the water with people. You want to be, you know, trying to hang on in a pack with a group. Like, are there such things as like a pack when you're mountain biking, that sort of thing? You know, like what's the tactic to have a successful Xterra race as a pro?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, there definitely can be tactics, especially depending on the course. So say you have, uh, at the race that I did in Chile, for example, earlier this year, the bike starts with kind of a long flat loop through these fields and there's no non-drafting rules in Xterra's, right? So if you can draft off of someone, it definitely makes a difference, especially on flat areas. And even just pacing up a climb, you know, it can definitely help if you have someone there for me, I'm not, the best technically on downhills and stuff. So it helps me if I'm able to follow someone who's really good at technical, uh, descents and is able to choose good lines. Um, it makes me go faster on the downhills cause I know like I can see where, which lines to take, but I would say that it's maybe not, I mean, versus ITU racing. Of course, it's a way bigger deal to come out of the water with people. I feel like in Xterra, it's kind of, You know, you just have to put out as much, as much power as you can throughout the whole thing. And it's kind of like, if you crack on an uphill, then there's not much you can do, even if you're with a group, you know, but I think it definitely can make a difference if you're able to come out with people in the swim. Yeah, and when you talk about them cutting the course specifically for this race,
2: <laughs> does that mean that it's like a different race? It's a different course in Maui, like year to year. Is there any advantage to having raced there before? Do you get to see any of the course before the race, or is everyone just kind of going in blind, being like, "I hear it's muddy"?
3: <laughs> no, no, you you are able to pre ride the course, and from what I know, I mean, I'm I'm guessing that they probably do it with a GPS because it's the same course. Okay. Um, yeah, and just, I mean, can't maybe necessarily fly the out there
2: early and train on it.
3: <laughs> no, yeah, and they actually don't open up. So there's, like, kind of the lower part of the course that is on the Ritz-Carlton, like, golf course property, kind of, um, like, through the jungle there. But then the upper part of the course is all private property, and they don't open that up to pre-ride until Wednesday, I think, before the race. Um, and you have to, like, sign in and out, so they know, like, exactly who's on the course. So it's pretty, like, regulated when you can actually pre-ride it. But I think it was better, you know, to try and keep people off it a little bit more in this case, because it was so muddy. And so if people are out there just like tearing it up, pre-riding it all the time, it would make it a little bit worse. Um, But yeah, it's definitely unique in that respect. Like you can't just come whenever you want and ride the course. Um, So it would help if you've done it before, I think.
2: And what about like other courses, other Xterra courses around the world? I mean, are they similar or are there like some more like well-known? Can you go to Ogden, Utah and like ride that course, the Pan-American course all the time or yeah. is it, it's like, so you kind of can do a little strategy because I imagine there's a quite a variety, like some courses are probably much more technical than others. So maybe you can find like a, one that suits your, your skills a little bit
3: better. Yeah. I mean, and honestly, that's probably one of the things that I love most about Xterras because it can totally change every race, you know, like it's not always maybe the strongest person who wins or the fastest runner who wins it. It's really dependent upon every different course. And most of the courses you can ride whenever you want, like Ogden, Utah, it's just on regular mountain bike trails. Um, and you can always go ride those same with like a really technical one we did in Victoria in Canada. That one, is just a mountain bike park, uh, trails. So it's pretty cool you can, you know, like go check out the courses if you happen to be in the area or yeah. Allison,
1: 2017 was effectively your rookie pro season and we saw you racing more traditional Ironman 70.3 races and that included a third place at Ironman 70.3 Campeche in Mexico in March that year. Why did you decide to take things off road in
3: 2018? Oh, um... So I guess 2017 was, like, a little bit of a tough year for me. I ended up breaking my kneecap in the summer, um, like, two days after I found out that I qualified for 70.3 Worlds. And in my mind, I thought, like, okay, I'm going to be able to race Worlds. You know, like, I still have eight weeks or something. Um, like, I can make it back. And and I was like, I'm going to heal faster than everyone because I'm an athlete and and all these things. And, you know, like, in the end, it's just – it was really hard for me to have to miss worlds because I couldn't like my bone just didn't heal fast enough. And I, I mean, I kept my legs straight for six weeks. So like, I could barely bend my knee when I, when I like had to take the brace off. And, and then I ended up after that, I, I did end up doing a race in uh, China where I met Haley. And yeah. <laughs> I saw you there. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know. I guess after that race, I was just kind of reassessing why I was doing this. And I really loved riding my mountain bike and, and I wished I kind of could just do that all the time. Um, and my coach at the time wanted me to focus on qualifying for Kona for 2018 and was very adamant that I probably shouldn't ride my mountain bike at all. And I was like, oh, I don't think that I can do that. Like, I just find so much joy in like being lost in the trails and trail running and all these things. Um, you know, we have access to all these amazing places in Colorado that aren't on the road. And then I actually switched coaches and started working with Julie Dibbins. And she was a multiple time Xterra world champion. And, and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to focus this year on what I really love doing. And that's off-road triathlons and mountain biking. and so, yeah, I just started kind of doing Xterras and fell in love with it and found some success doing it. And, yeah, I, I, at this point, I just would rather train on my mountain bike and ride trails all the time than, than be in a time trial position, hammering away, like, five hours of training. Um, but, of course, you know, it's different for everyone. It's just what I love, and, and I'd rather use my training time doing that. <laughs>
2: And Allison, besides your, you know, transition from on-road triathlons to off-road triathlons, your sports history is pretty unique. You actually raced triathlon and running in high school in New Jersey. And then you went on to run for the powerhouse University of Washington Huskies track and field and cross-country team. And you were actually even a scoring member of that cross-country team that finished third at the 2009 NCAA Division I Championships. So... Do you think that running at such an elite collegiate level really helped set you up for your future in professional sport?
3: I would say that running throughout my life, because I started running when I was uh, pretty young. My dad was always a runner, so he would make us like run to the end of the street, and he'd hide little things along the way, so we would want to run. And so I kind of grew up running. And so I'd say that my entire history running perhaps set me up. But specifically college running, I think it actually kind of burnt me out more than it it really set me up. At the end of my time at University of Washington, like it was a great program, of course, and um, a lot of great people on the team. But it's very difficult to make a cross-country team when there's only seven spots and 30 people. And I think I kind of fell into the trap that a lot of people do, where you're very concerned about how much you weigh and uh, I struggled a lot with that in college and I had one really great year where I basically didn't eat and was running like 100 miles and I had one great cross country season where we were third but then I was just injured the rest of the time and it kind of high school running was so much fun and then college running was much more of a like let's go do the work like Easy runs are six thirty pace and not easy, and <laughs> everyone's just like competing kind of all the time for those spots and so I think after college, I was just looking for something else or some other sport or I just didn't want to like keep running and like being in that same cycle and doing the same thing to my body because I felt like the only way I can be good is if I'm a hundred I was like a hundred nine pounds and I'm five eight. And it was just it was bad. And like that's the only way that I saw that I could be successful. Like if I'm really skinny. If I'm not really skinny, in my mind I like couldn't be successful. And I just had to find a way to break that, you know? And so um, you know, like for
1: people, what was it that you used to break that cycle of thinking, right? So you know, we've talked to guests before who have used sports psychology or, um, you know, they've just gotten in that repetitive cycle of injuries, injuries, injuries before they finally just had to face it kind of head on. Or, you know, did you have a moment? Did you have a coach or a friend or a mentor, anyone who helped you? What was it that was finally able to because and you sound like you've really been able to get past and you're like looking back on it and to be able to talk about it, I think is so helpful for other people who are listening and in that same position. So any, any, you know, advice you can kind of cast there, I think people would appreciate.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think for me it was starting to ride more. I didn't really ride that much, but I, you know, everyone tells you like, oh, you're too skinny or too skinny, but for me, I was having success and I was like, it doesn't matter. Like, I don't care if I'm, I went to, they made me go to like a bone doctor and they told me, Oh, your bone density is like very low. It's like the beginning signs of osteoporosis. And I was like, it's actually really scary. Cause I was like, I don't care. I'm running so fast. Like it, whatever. I'll figure that out in the future. But that's, it's like, it's, it's so crazy to me looking back that I could actually think that. And when I started writing, you know, like There's so many different body types that are successful at cycling. And I think I kind of had to go through the injuries and realize that for myself, that it's not like, you don't have to be super, I don't want to be super skinny. I want to just be like strong. And I wanted to like, in triathlon, you have to be so strong. You have to be able to swim and ride and run. And, and I think switching sports was just kind of what helped like kick me out of it. You know, like the injuries, yeah, they were bad and, and like stress fractures are not fun. And, but I still like had that same mentality. Like I need to be like, I want to be a great runner. And like, I have to have this body type. And, and then once I started triathlon, I was like, I don't have to have that like crazy skinny body type to be good at this sport. I just, I can be healthy and, and still be good and strong. And yeah. So I think for me, it was, it was more kind of looking at other sports and and doing different activities, um, that kind of kicked me out of it.
2: <laughs> and from your running career, you did quickly move into racing age group triathlon. And I think it was your first ever Ironman race. <laughs> um, the 2012 Ironman world championships in Kona, Hawaii, you won the 18 to 24 age group. So, uh, can you tell us, you know, what was it like to race Kona when you're fresh out of college
3: and how did you manage to do so well in your very first (laughs) Mantisons race? Um, well I was pretty lucky that I had like a lot of running background. I qualified at a 70.3 in Texas and I mean, I hadn't run a time trial bike for that long, but I kind of felt like I had the cardio just to make it through the bike. And then I was able to run pretty well uh, with my running background. And then I, it was kind of the same thing at Kona. I was just like, okay, I just need to like make it through the swim and the bike. And then I should be able to run. And like, of course nothing, you know, like everything goes, things go wrong at Kona. And someone told me before the race, expect that five things will go wrong. I was like, okay, okay. That's, it's going to be fine. Like I can handle it. And you know, of course it was like one of those things where the open water swim in salt water, I like drank all the salt water. i was just like puking the whole bike and couldn't take in any nutrition. And so you know, as a lot of people have the same experience, it's just kind of like a death march on the run. And, and I don't even know how I was able to win, but it was probably like one of my favorite moments in my like sports career, just crossing the finish line. Cause obviously it's a huge accomplishment just to like finish an Ironman. And so that was like, just one of the best feelings ever, just to like finish this huge race that you didn't even think that you would be able to, you know, like, I didn't know how to be able to run a marathon after, I don't know, six hours of doing other sports. Like, that's just crazy. (laughs) So yeah. (laughs) And
1: so despite that early success as an age group triathlete, you actually decided to take a couple years away from the sport and race cycling professionally for the Hagen's Berman Supermint team. Did I get that right? So that is a UCI professional women's cycling team based out of the U.S. And so what was it like to be a pro female cyclist? And how does that life, you know, with a team, with a squad, compare to the more solitary Nature of triathlon, you know, Ironman training and seventy point three lifestyle.
3: Yeah, I mean, so I absolutely love cycling with a team. It's like really more of a team sport, more so than pretty much any other sport besides like soccer that I've done in the past. It's it's just awesome how like you can have a plan before a race and. Work together as a team, and like there's just so much strategy involved, and you really have to think the whole time, and and like really work together as a team for like one person to succeed in the race or win the race, or um, yeah. I mean, I just love like the adrenaline rush of like being in a huge group of people and like flying down descents and like executing plans. I really love cycling, uh, of course. For women, it's it's definitely a a hot topic of like salaries and equal pay, and you know a lot of the things that we have in you know the same discussions we have in triathlons right now. It's really similar in women's cycling. I actually raced in Italy for a year before I raced for Hagens Berman, and it was it was like really eye opening just to see. I mean, we did a ten day stage race like similar to the men's Giro d'Italia, it's the Giro Rosa for women. And I believe when I raced it for the winner, it was like 500 euros for 10 days of racing. Yeah. Like, like just crazy the how little the prize money was. And so that was just kind of, I mean, it's, it's just a really difficult thing because, you know, how do you get people to spectate for like a 10 day stage race? You know, it's, it's really hard to like monetize the sport, I think. Um, but I think it's really cool what we have in the U S with criterium racing and which are basically usually like a one kilometer, one mile loop that you do really fast for an hour. And it's really fun. Like a lot of spectators will come out because it's usually in downtown areas and there's like beer gardens and all kinds of things. And they're usually at night. So it's just, it's like a cool, like Friday night activity. And so now I've just, Actually this year I I kept racing like some criteriums just for fun and cuz my husband races so I <laughs> get to race with him sometimes but yeah I I absolutely love cycling and it's something that I I really miss sometimes but I was glad that this year the Hoggins Berman team like let me guest ride with them for Colorado Classic which is just like a 4-day stage race in Colorado it just felt really good to like be part of a team again and suffer a lot <laughs> That is so interesting. The 500
2: euros, but, and when you talk about monetizing the sport, how many people will sit and watch the tour de France for like 23 days or however many days that goes on? I mean, sure. I think people will do it. I will yeah. sit and watch an iron man for eight hours, eight to 10 yeah. hours. I really did. I watched Kona. I like sat. I mean, I was on the bike for parts of it, like doing other things, but I think there are ways, but. I think there has been some good news that just came out of women's cycling, right? They are working toward making minimum salaries and yeah. kind of putting into place some of the um, structure that's there for the men. So that's good to see that. But yeah,
3: I just, no, it's definitely getting better. But I think there's a general lack of coverage for women's sports, you know? So it's kind of like, what do you get first? You got, Do you invest in getting the coverage? Or I, I don't know. It's kind of like hard to figure out the, the right way to do it. But I'm sure there's opportunities there. And I hope that, you know, hopefully they can get a minimum salary for women going and instituted. And I think that would help the sport a lot. So what
2: ultimately, you know, led you from pro cycling back to triathlon? And when you came back to the sport of triathlon, why did you decide to race as a pro rather than an age grouper?
3: I, it's, I really missed running actually. I think the time away from running was really good for me and kind of like refreshed me but I was like, man, I, I just would watch Kona every year. And of course it was during like the cycling off season. And I was like, man, I just want to be able to run fast again. And I'd like go out and try and sprint like five miles and make it to the stoplight and be dying. And (laughs) I just, you know, there's like a really great feeling when you have like a good long run, like when you just feel really good and you're just like cruising along. Um, and I miss that feeling, I guess it's maybe like the runner's high. Um, and so, yeah, I decided I'd enter a local triathlon and I did pretty well. I was like, okay, like maybe I'll just do a 70.3 because 70.3 Miami was in November or something. So I was like, okay, I'll just like try and do that. And like, maybe I can get my pro card. And so I went to 70.3 Miami, had a pretty good race. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm just going to try and get my pro card because well, maybe this sounds, I, hopefully this doesn't sound bad, but. I figured if I'm going to be paying to travel to all these places, I want to have the opportunity to win prize money. And I mean, even if I get my butt kicked, at least I'm pushing myself and I'm like challenging myself with really strong athletes. And I think that that's something that makes you better. You know, it's like when you're little and you play soccer with the boys and like you kind of get pushed around and stuff, but it makes you a better athlete, you know, like to be training or racing with people that are, that are better than you. And I like that about sports, like being pushed to just get better. (laughs) That
1: definitely doesn't sound bad at all. And Haley and I are always advocates of people, you know, taking that leap and wanting to step up and push themselves And, uh, you know, a perk is definitely that you can go to a lot of cool places and race and (laughs) see a lot of fun people that you get to race against and push yourself against along the way. But I do have a question. So speaking of your love to run fast, we did uh, a little bit of background and we saw that you have run um, a sub five minute mile before. And so this has been (laughs) a hot topic on the podcast lately because we interviewed Kelly Philnow recently, and she threw out, I guess, as an off-season goal, right, Haley, to try and um, do a one-mile race sub-five, and then Haley was kind of interested in that, and, you know, I'm, like, (laughs) pretending to be interested, even though I think that the odds of my, maybe I can, like, rabbit the first 400 for them or something like that. So do you have any, like, favorite workouts or anything for people really looking to gain some speed in this, in the off-season
3: that we could try? I remember doing, so that was in, like high school i think and in high school we did a lot of we didn't really do um many just like 7 mile runs like all of our we do lo- one long run a week but otherwise we only had a 1 mile loop at a park to train on so we would just do repeat miles like every day and then two days a week we do um we do like track workouts and i'd say 400s are You know, painful, but they definitely make a difference. And two hundreds, yeah. I'm trying to think of more work. Oh, strides! We do strides all the time, like just hundred meter sprints. But yeah, it's crazy now because I try and do like two hundred meters on the track. I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot even run under five minute pace for two hundred meters. How did I even do that?
2: I'm not sure I can either. And to be to caveat that, we were looking for a downhill run course, like <laughs> a downhill mile. <laughs> That's <laughs> where I wanted to run I was, like was on a downhill run course, but I do think it's fun. Um, that is a little bit different doing 200s and 400s, but I, I can see where that would make you faster. So I'll, I'll, we'll send those over to Kelly, too, for her off-season. I think, I think Kelly's the one who's actually going to try it. I live in the Arctic tundra. I don't even know That's where right. I would find... I mean, I could ski. I'll ski a mile downhill in under five minutes. I'll tell Kelly. I did start it. your
3: Garmin as like a run, and then
2: yeah. <laughs> I'm putting it on Strava. <laughs> yeah. anyway, so, Allison, a lot of people probably, you know, what might keep them from trying Xterra or from trying mountain biking? Um, this might other people might include myself as well. But is the fear of crashing or getting hurt? So how did you, how do you deal with that? I know you do have a cycling background, but do you ever worry about that? Or is it something that you deal with? Um, or what would tips would you give to someone who might be a beginner mountain biker?
3: Oh my gosh. I, <laughs> the first two X Xterras that I did, I literally called my husband after pre-riding the course in tears. So I was like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like I'm going to die. I am so scared. I crashed pre-riding. Like, how am I going to do this race? And like, it's still a huge fear for me. I had a really bad crash in April, just riding. Like, I honestly don't even know what happened, but I just went over the handlebars and got my leg snagged on this rock. And I thought I was fine. I went to get up. I looked out at my leg and I was like, Oh, that's not normal. I should not see that much in my leg. And so we, I was with my coach, Julie, and we, Had to, like, ride another 30 minutes to get back to the town, like, down the trails. And we, like, I was, like, I cannot get an ambulance. That is way too expensive. And so we, like, rode to the police station. And, like, the cops were, like, oh, I think we need to drive you now to the hospital. And you're bleeding a lot. And so I ended up getting, like, 26 stitches in my leg. and, And it was, you know, coming back from that was so, so hard. I mean, I remember our first ride back. It was with my coach and another one of the guys uh, that trains with our with our squad. And we were just riding, like, up, up, up into the mountains. And they were like, oh, yeah, let's, like, go hit one of these trails. I got to the trail, and I, was, I just started crying. I was like, I can't do this. Like, I know I've done this before. I know I can do this trail. But but there's rocks, and I just – I don't know. <laughs> and it it took me a long time to get back to, the, to like, a, a good – place where I could be like okay like I'm gonna crush this descent you know but it I think it's really just practice and kind of letting go a little bit you know you you have to like kind of challenge yourself and and maybe slow down to like to get an obstacle to do an obstacle cleanly or like do a a climb cleanly when there's roots and stuff but my husband's been really great because he used to ride mountain bikes a lot and he was like national champion in Mexico twice. And, and so he has so many skills and so many tips. And so when I follow him on a descent, it's like, I'm a different rider, you know, like I have so much confidence and cause I know I'm going to be going on the right line. So I think definitely the hardest thing is getting over the technical, um, the fear of kind of like the technical stuff, but if you can go with someone who's good at that, or like an experienced mountain biker or knows the trails, it can just make a huge difference and like totally change your experience like my husband will just make me redo sections that maybe I mess up the first time just so like I gain the confidence. Um, But really part of it is just looking at an obstacle kind of like a puzzle and figuring out how you can get through it and then going for it, you know, like, yeah, you're going to crash sometimes, but generally it's not going to be as bad as like 26 stitches crash, you know, like it's going to be like a little scrape. You're going to get up and like just be having so much fun the rest of the day. So yeah, it definitely takes time, but just practice and practice. Well, Allison, thanks so much. Um, we're curious to hear about
1: what is going to be next for you and then where our listeners can follow you along the way.
3: Hmm. Uh, next, I haven't really thought about it that much, but definitely more Xterra's next year. And I do want to try and do some like straight up mountain bike races as well. So We'll see. I haven't totally, maybe Leadville, maybe a Leadville appearance. I don't know. But yeah, definitely more off-road stuff coming next year. And I'm on Instagram at Alison Albaca, and I have a little blog too. Yeah, but thank you guys so much for having me.
2: Thanks so much for coming on. We'll make sure we link to your Instagram and your blog in our show notes. But enjoy your off-season. Enjoy the rest <laughs> of your time in Maui, and um, we'll look forward to watching you next year. Thank you, guys. So Alyssa, after listening to Allison, are you inspired? Do you think there are any Xterra triathlons in your future?
1: Haley, I have to say that her enthusiasm was a little bit contagious. And knowing how scary I think maybe a lot of people see mountain biking helps me a little bit too, right? Like not, everyone's not just like fearlessly bombing down these things. And I do, there are some Xterra events in Virginia. So I'm going to do some research and assess the pro situation at some of these races and how that all works. Maybe I'll have to call Allison back and discuss that with her a little bit. But I, you know, I don't know. You can always use another bike. So maybe that'll be something I'll look into this winter. What about you? Are you still riding it off for a while? I,
2: I love the idea of it. I, I love trail running. I'm terrible at trail running, but I love it. So there, that's the one thing you would have. You already have so much trail running experience. And I do have a mountain bike, but I have to confess it hasn't really left my garage much in the last year since I've had it. But it is something for the future. When I bought it, it was... It was something that I was like, okay, in the future, I'm going to ride this around and We have amazing mountain biking trails, so maybe I need to test it out. It might have to wait till summer of 2019 though, because we're, we got some snow coming and our trails here get a little bit, uh, covered. It might be fat bike triathlon for me. Yeah, I was going to say fat
1: bike seems like a, pretty much a good compromise anyway. So maybe you can do that instead.
2: Yes. There's always, there's always more, there's always more to do, right? It is. You always need another bike and, um, it's fun. It's fun to hear her enthusiasm. Like you said.
1: And just a couple of reminders for our listeners, uh, while supplies are lasting with orders of F2C nutrition, if you use that Iron Women code for 15%, 15% off, you will also be getting a live feisty bottle with that purchase while supplies last. So if you need some F2C, it's a good time to be ordering that. And if you have any mailbag questions for Haley and I, you can send them at any time to Podcast at Gmail com, and we will answer those on upcoming episodes. And I think that's all we have. But Haley, congrats again on your win and enjoy your victory week.
2: Thank you. I will. I'm going to be celebrating like crazy. All the pumpkin carving, all the Halloween celebrations, and a lot of sleep. But thanks, Alyssa. I'll talk to you soon. Bye, Haley.
0: This is a special song. It's me and my friend's song that we made ourselves. This song is called Here I Am. Get ready for the chorus. I am here, now you cannot take me. I will stand up this whole entire time. I am strong, now you cannot beat me. I will stand up because I am here. The Iron Woman Podcast is a Live Feisty Media production. Our hosts are Alyssa Gadiski and Haley Chura. And our awesome editors, Aaron Hamilton. Also, we couldn't do this without our sponsors Wahoo Fitness, Crave Jerky, of course, After, C Nutrition, and Smash Fest Queen!